Okay, good evening once again, brothers and sisters in the faith. Welcome to another episode of the Bible History Project. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about Abraham and a king named Abimelech. But before we proceed, we ask everyone to please stand for our devotional prayer. Everlasting and most holy Father, yes, your people gather once again yes. to praise you, to honor you, and to worship you. Amen. Thank you for our life and our strength. Yes. Thank you for giving us an opportunity yes. to receive nourishment for our souls yes. by studying your holy words. Amen. We cherish this gift coming from you, yes. and with all of our heart, we express our thanks. Amen. Father, we include in our prayer today our preparations for our upcoming special worship service. Yes. Many of your people will be gathered once more yes. to express our deep thanks to you. Yes. We have prepared special hymns by which we will dedicate ourselves to you. Yes. Lord God, may you please accept our hymns of praise. Yes. Accept your people as living sacrifices. Yes. Accept what we offer you, O God, yes. that you might be glorified most of all. Amen. Prepare us for that day, Father. Yes. What we beg you is for the gift of your Holy Spirit, yes. that throughout our special worship service, we will taste your goodness and your power yes. that will inspire us all the more. Bless your servant who will preach your holy words on that day yes. and guide us in all our prayers. Amen. Father, we ask and beg of you, remember your people who are physically afflicted. Yes. May you heal those who are sick among us. Yes. There may be those who are in hospital. So, Father, yes. may you reach out to them, O God, and heal them completely. Amen. We place our hope and trust in your mighty hands yes. because you can do that which is impossible. Amen. In our study today, Father, we ask you to please open our minds. Open our hearts as well, yes. that we may receive your holy gospel. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, please increase our faith. Yes, may you be with us throughout our studies today. Yes, may we Lord. benefit fully from your divine teachings. Amen. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You have forgiven completely our sins. Yes. We ask all things, O oh, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so we're going to talk about Abraham and Abimelech from our last Bible study. We remember that Abraham was within viewing distance of what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the, this has prompted him to move from place to place. And where does he move to? Let's turn to the book of Genesis 20 and the verses 1. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar while living there as a foreigner. So we have Abraham moving from place to place. This is in accord with what God told him to explore the land of Canaan, to explore the promised land that was given by God to him. So he goes to the south, and we can go to the next slide to kind of get a visual look. So he goes from Hebron, and he moves toward the Negev badlands. I don't know why they call it the Negev. Badlands. He goes to Kadesh and then eventually settles in a place called Gerar. Take note, the place called Gerar is where the Philistines are situated at. And so it was a dangerous place 
or Abraham to be, because we all know what the Philistines are capable of doing. They are regarded as the enemies of our almighty God. And so during this time, Abraham is living his life between the making of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, because Isaac was not yet born at this time. However, the promise was already given by our almighty God. In many ways, we kind of have the same situation, right? Because God has a promise for us, but the fulfillment of that promise has not yet been determined. It has not yet occurred in our life. And so we are in a waiting process. We are moving from place to place as well, just like Abraham. And that's where things can become dangerous. Why? Because as we wait for God's promise to be fulfilled, who do you think does not want us to receive that promise? Who do you think that is? The devil, right? He wants to mess things up. And during this time, the most important person, the number one target of the enemy, guess who it is? Abraham and also Sarah. Because in them hinges the promised seed, the plan of God. Remember, when God was divulging, when he was disclosing his promise to Abraham and Sarah, guess who is eavesdropping? The devil. The devil knows about God's plan using Abraham and Sarah. And so what will he try to do? Mess up that plan. Destroy that plan. And he's targeting Sarah and Abraham. And so what happens next? Well, they were in Gerar. Let's read Genesis chapter 20 and the verses to Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought him, had her brought to him at his palace. I don't know if this reminds you of an event in the past. Yeah? What was that event? When Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt, and because they were afraid that they will take uh, Sarah for the wife of the Pharaoh and kill Abraham, they deceived the people there, and they said that Sarah was the sister of Abraham. Here in Gerar, guess who the king is there? His name is Abimelech. Apparently, he kind of likes who? Sarah. Take note, Sarah was already old. But apparently, she's still very beautiful. Why? Because God is preparing her to become a mother of many nations. And so it is but right that God preserves her beauty, preserves her vitality. And so she is apparently still beautiful. And the powerful king Abimelech of Gerar wants her to be a part of his harem. He wants her to also be his wife. And so what does Abraham come up with as an idea to protect his own life? Let us say to them, let us deceive them and have them believe that you, Sarah, are my sister. It's an act of deception. However, this act of deception is a dangerous one. Why? Because it could jeopardize the plan of God and God's plan, who is supposed to be the instrument of God by which to bring forth the promised son. Who is it? Sarah. 
And so here comes the devil and he deceives Abraham, who in turn deceives the king to protect himself at the sake for the sake of his or for his life at the cost of his wife. I don't know about you. If you were Sarah, how would you feel about that? Right? But of course, he is Abraham, the man who is called the friend of our Almighty God. So she goes along with the plan. And so here comes Sarah. She is taken into the palace of King Abimelech of Gerar. However, what does God do? Let's read the book of Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. One night, God appeared to him in a dream and said, You are going to die because you have taken this woman. She is already married. And so what does God do? When King Abimelech takes Sarah to be his wife, God intervenes. Why? Because of what is at stake. Remember, God had changed the name of Sarah from Sarai to what? Sarah, to confirm his covenant. And so Sarah has been set apart by God. You see, God's work is to set, to set apart for himself, his people. And based on his work of election and the choosing process, God will work from there. He's an orderly God. God will do everything according to his purpose so that his chosen one will be preserved. In this case, it was Sarah. He will not allow that this king will be able to physically touch her because that would contaminate the plan of our almighty God. Abraham failed, but God will never fail. So what does he do? God visits King Abimelech in a dream. And what did he say to Abimelech? He says, you are going to die. It's a warning of God. Can you imagine dreaming? And then all of a sudden, here comes God, appears to you, right? And says to you, you're going to die. It captures your attention, right? You're going to listen. And God wants him to listen well. That's why he says, you're going to die. And so he's all full attention. And why does God say to him, you're going to die? Because she is already married. What was the reply of Abimelech in the dream? Let's read Genesis 24 down to 5. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, I am innocent. Would you destroy me and my people? Abraham himself said that she was his sister. And she said, this, and she said the same thing. I did this with a clear conscience, and I have done no wrong. And so when God explains to Abimelech, that he's going to die because he has taken Sarah, what was the reply or the defense of Abimelech? He said, I am innocent. Why is he innocent? Because both Abraham and Sarah conspired against him. What was their conspiracy about? They said that Sarah was the sister of Abraham. And so he had no idea about the real situation between Abraham and Sarah. And so he pleads his case before the Lord what do, you think the God, what do you think the Lord says? What does God say about his plea? Let's read the book of Genesis 20, 6 to 7. God replied in the dream, Yes, I know that you did it with a clear conscience. So I kept you from sinning against me and did not let you touch her. But now give the woman back to her husband. He is a prophet. 
and he will pray for you so that you will not die. But if you do not give her back, I warn you that you are going to die, you and all your people. And so when God listened to the plea, the defense of Abimelech, what did he say? He said, yes, I know about your situation. And what does God say to him? What was the intent of God in appearing before him in a dream? God said, I want to keep you from sinning against me. And so God's purpose was to prevent the commission of sin. This is why he visited Abimelech in a dream. And so what was the instruction of God to Abimelech so that he and his people would not suffer the consequences? God basically told him to do two things, right? Number one, bring back Sarah to Abraham. That's number one. Number two, Bible says go to Abraham. Have fellowship with him. Why? Because he is the prophet of our almighty God. You see, what God wants is for them to also have fellowship with Abraham so that they too can be embraced by God's salvation. This is why it's kind of a good thing this happened to Abimelech. And so after this dream has occurred, what does Abimelech say to Abraham? Genesis 28 down to 10. Early the next morning, Abimelech called all his officials and told them what had happened. They were terrified. Then Abimelech called Abraham and asked, What have you done to us? What wrong have I done to you to make you bring, to make you bring this disaster on me and my kingdom? No one should ever do what you have done to me. Why did you do it? And so after the dream, when he woke up the next morning, what did Abimelech do? He went to confront Abraham, right? Why did you do this to us? Because of what you did, we're going to suffer disaster. Not just for me, but for my entire people. The whole kingdom led by King Abimelech will, be, will, be, will, re, will receive destruction from our almighty God. Of course, this is potential destruction. This is why God gave the warning. God also gave the instruction to avoid the disaster. Bring back Sarah to Abraham. You see, God was protecting Abraham. God was protecting Sarah. And God was protecting his plan for the salvation of mankind as a whole. This is why he took these measures to make sure that God's plan will come to fruition. Nevertheless, what we can see here in the life of Abraham is the following. Next slide. The consequences of Abraham's deception. Remember, Abraham made a mistake. That's one of the good things about the Holy Bible. God reveals everything, right? The good, the bad, and the, yeah, even the very ugly, just like last week, right? The lesson, that was pretty ugly. God reveals the truth about humanity. Uh, Abraham, he was, he was a man of God, a man of faith. However, he was not perfect, just like you and I, right? He stumbled. He fell. Nevertheless, he knows how to get back up. And so he made some sins. We're not here to judge Abraham. We're here to learn from the mistakes that he has made. The consequences of Abraham's deception. What is one? Because of his deception, what happened? He endangered the work of righteousness. Remember, he was called the prophet of God. 
what do prophets do? They proclaim the will of God. They preach the word of God. This is why God told Abraham to explore the place of Canaan because he is to preach the word of God to them, to convince them to do the will of our almighty God. However, if you're going to deceive, it's going to hurt the work of righteousness. Why would the people believe him if he was not living according to what he was preaching? This is why we, the people of God in these last days, if we want to be effective in sharing our faith, we have to make sure we follow and live our life according to the works of righteousness. What else was the consequence of Abraham's deception? Next slide. It endangered the life of Sarah. Can you imagine the kind of danger that Sarah underwent? I mean, I don't even know why she agreed with Abraham, right? She's going to belong now. She's going to be a property now of the king of Gerar, Abimelech. They don't even know him. They don't even know the women belonging to his harem. What if they poisoned her? What if they wanted to do something evil to her, right? So he endangered the life of his own wife. Next slide. What else? It also endangered the plan of God. What if the king actually touched her and she became pregnant? What then would become of the plan of our almighty God? What else? It also endangered Abimelech and his kingdom. Instead of introducing God's salvation, they brought to them God's condemnation. That's not what God wants. What God wants is for people to be saved. But because of the deception of Abraham, all of this was put in danger, which makes you want to ask the following question. What is that? Next slide. Genesis 20 verse 10. Abimelech then also asked Abraham, what were you thinking when you did this? Right? Isn't that what you want to learn to? You want to know the answer to that question, right? Why? Because we don't want to follow the same path. We don't want to repeat the same mistake. And so we need to understand what was the thinking process of Abraham, which made him want to deceive King Abimelech. Remember, we are learning from Abraham. We're not condemning Abraham. All of us are guilty as human beings, but we need to learn from his mistakes. We need to learn the thought process that led to him actually deceiving Abimelech. So let's go ahead and find out the five factors which led uh, Abraham to deceive Abimelech. Next slide, please. Genesis 20, 11 to 13. Abraham replied. Remember, the question of Abimelech was, what were you thinking about when you did this? And so Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father but different mothers. And I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. So what was the thought process going on in his mind, which made Abraham deceive King Abimelech? Well, in Genesis 20, next slide, please. Abraham thought this was a godless place. You know, it's nice to explore the land of Canaan, 
but we have to also be careful when we go to a place that is godless. We, if we are not ready, if we are not strong, we might be affected by our surroundings, right? Here on planet Earth, are there many places which we can call godless? Is there? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, right? This is why we have to be extra careful. And we need to be specially careful in specific places, which we know caters to the cravings of the flesh, right? And so we keep away from places where we are tempted. And so one of the big mistakes is to go to places which are considered godless. What else? Next slide. Notice what Abraham said. They want my wife and we and will kill me to get her. In other words, Abraham lived in fear. He was afraid of his life. And so he told Sarah, this is our plan. And so they were living in fear. When you live in fear, guess what? You forget the promises of God. When you live in fear, guess what? It's easy to compromise the word of God. This is why as people of God, the one thing we need to make sure of is this. We no longer live in fear. Because if you live in fear, it's so easy to convince you to do something against the will of God, right? This is why there's so many people who are stuck in an institution, even though they already know what they're doing and making them do is against the will of God. But why are they still there? If you are removed from a registry, what will they say? You're not going to be saved, right? And so they place their faith in the registry rather than in God, rather than our Lord Jesus Christ. When we live by fear, it's so easy to deceive us and to control us. It's so easy to commit a sin against our Almighty God. So we must not live in fear. What else? Number three. You notice what Abraham said? She really is my sister. And so Abraham convinced himself, it's just a half-truth. I'm not really lying. You know, there are times when we should not reveal everything, right? But... When it will lead others to commit sin and we don't disclose everything, that is also what? Deceiving. A half-truth that leads others to sin, a half-truth that leads others to commit sin is a most dangerous kind of lie. And this is why Abraham, when he tried to justify what he did, he said, oh, it's just a half-truth. A white Line. This is why we have to be careful about thinking of white lies and half-truths like that. What else? Next slide, please. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place. And so he begins to blame God now. He was comfortable there in Ur at his father's house with his former religion. And all of a sudden, God tells me to leave my home place and to go from place to place that I'm not familiar with. And so he begins to complain. He begins to blame God. And so because God has caused me to go wander throughout this foreign land, well, I guess I can do whatever I want. You know, brothers and sisters, this thing that happened to the institution has caused us to maybe, maybe, some of us are saying to ourselves, well, God has removed us. This has happened to the institution. Therefore, I can do this now. I can do that now. It's not really my fault. Why did God allow this to happen in the first place? Maybe 
beginning to think like that. Abraham tried to convince himself that he did the right thing. And he said, it was God. God caused me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place. Now I'm always in danger. And so what did he come up with? Next slide. He told his wife, Sarah, do me a favor. And his wife, Sarah, dutifully complied. In other words, Abraham had a co-conspirator. You know, it's easier to do something against the will of God when you have others who, who will do it with you, right? This is why when people gather together and they gossip and speak lies about others, it becomes easy to do that which is against the will of God. Abraham, it was easier for him to deceive because he had a co-conspirator, someone who supported him by the name of Sarah. So all these are the factors which led Abraham to deceive. However, there's one biblical truth that Abraham should have held on to, which would have removed all these factors. You know what that is? What should have Abraham had done? What should he have done instead of letting, instead of being influenced by these factors? Let's read Genesis 15 verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. You see, the root cause of why he decided to deceive was because he was afraid. He was afraid because he was in a foreign land. He was afraid because his wife was attractive. He was afraid because he can only defend himself from so many enemies. And so what did he do? He came up with his own plan. Rather than place his trust in God, rather than place his hope in God's promise. What is God's promise? God says, don't be afraid. I will protect you. Do you think God will allow anything bad to happen to the man and the woman that he chose that will bring about his plan of salvation? They should have believed that. Abraham should have believed that. Brethren, we too need to believe. We need to have faith in the promise of our Almighty God. Because if we don't have faith, we will live in fear. And if you live in fear, we are open targets for the enemy of our faith. Let's seal up those targets. Let us live by faith. Let us choose to believe in the promises of our Almighty God. During this time, Apparently, Abraham's faith wasn't too strong yet. Remember, he had to stumble his way to becoming the man of faith. He had to learn how to live by faith. It doesn't come out, of one, doesn't come out automatically. And so we need to learn. We need to come back when we, are, when we fall and we stumble. But despite the fact that Abraham showed a lack of faith, why did God still protect Abraham? Why did God still protect Sarah? Why did he still maintain his plan for Abraham and Sarah. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are not faithful, he remains faithful because he cannot be false to himself. Isn't that nice? You know, no matter how hard we try, brothers and sisters, we're all going to fail. You believe that? None of us are perfect. None of us. God knows this. Apostle Paul knows this. He knows about human nature. He knows that we are prone to committing sin and falling down, stumbling. 
That's why he said, even if we are not faithful, even if there are times when we doubt, even when there are times when we stumble and fall, the Bible says, he remains what? Faithful. Why? Because he cannot be false to himself. This is why even during those moments of weak faith displayed by Abraham, God remained faithful to him. Why? If you still remember, Genesis 17, 3 down to 5, this is what it says. Abram bowed down with his face touching the ground. God said, I make this covenant with you. I promise that you will be the ancestor of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. Because I am making you the ancestors, the ancestor of many nations. Why does the Bible say God will remain faithful to Abraham, even though Abraham failed several times because of his covenant? What kind of covenant did God make with Abraham? An unconditional covenant. And so even if Abraham would fail, God would remain faithful. Why? Because he made a promise. An unconditional covenant that he made with Abraham. That's why he changed his name from Abram to what? Abraham. He will be an ancestor, a father of many nations. There's nothing that can be done to prevent this plan of God from being fulfilled. He will fulfill this promise that he has made. Does this mean that God condoned the sin of Abraham? What do you think? Did God condone the sin of Abraham? No. God protected Abraham despite his sin, but God addressed his sin because he would repent. What is the proof that he would repent? You know, when we fall and we commit sin, what should we do? How should we act? What should we do so that we can become like Abraham and bounce back and be resilient? Let's read the book of Proverbs 28 verse 13. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up then god will show mercy to you when we commit sin when we fall when we stumble what should we do we need to confess our sins not just admit our sins you see there's a difference between admitting our sins and confessing our sins you know what the difference is between confessing and admitting what's the difference between confessing and admitting, because maybe, maybe, when we pray to God, we simply admit our sins, but we don't really confess our sins. Because if we just admit our sins, it's not going to have the effect that God wants. What's the difference? The essence of confession. The Bible says confess them, and what? Give them up. There are people who admit their sins, but they have no intention of giving them up. That's not true repentance. That's not true confession. True confession is to go to God and say to God, these are my sins. I confess my sins. I have intent to give them up. If we will have that kind of confession and repentance, God will show mercy. God will show mercy to all of us. And when God shows mercy, what will he do? Let's read the book of Psalms 103, 8 to 13. The Lord is merciful and loving, slow to become angry, and full of constant love. He does not keep on rebuking. He is, he is not angry forever. He does not punish us as we deserve or repay us according to our sins and wrongs. As high as the sky is above the earth, 
so great is his love for those who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. As a father is kind to his children, so the Lord is kind to those who honor him. Isn't that nice? The Bible says when we confess our sins to God and he shows mercy on, upon us, he will not punish us as we deserve. Not only that, he will remove the sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Abraham repented, confessed his sins. And so all the New Testament writers, you know what happened to them? They did not even mention the sins of Abraham. Did you notice that? I mean, when you just read, if you read about Abraham in the New Testament, your conclusion is going to be Abraham was perfect. He has no sin. <laughs> but if you read the actuality, the actual events of Abraham's life, he faltered. But in the New Testament, it's like he's perfect. Why? Because God removed his sin. Because God had mercy on him. God will deal with, this, that will deal with us in the same way. This is why in the New Testament, how did Abraham all of a sudden become righteous? Let's read the book of Romans 4, 22 to 24. That is why Abraham, through faith, was accepted as righteous by God. The words, he was accepted as righteous, were not written for him alone. They were written also for us who are to be accepted as righteous, who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from death. And so Abraham, although he had many faults, just like you and I have faults, God accepted him as righteous. Why? Because of his faith. Yes, in the beginning, in the middle, he stumbled along the way, but eventually he learned how to live by faith. And once we learn how to live by faith, we too will be accepted by God as righteous. This is why for the people of God, when we falter and because of our sins, bad things happen to us, don't give up. You know why? Let's read the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Brethren, Abraham, was he called by God? Yeah. Does he have a purpose for Abraham? Does he have a purpose for Sarah? Yes. Did they make mistakes? Yes. Because of the mistakes that they made. Were there consequences? Yeah. But here's the beautiful part. God knows all that. You see, if you are called by God, if you're elect by God, if God has a purpose for you, even the mistakes that you make and the consequences of those mistakes, guess what? God has the power. To use everything, the good and the bad alike. God can use all of that to work together for our own good. Do you believe that? It's what God did to Abraham. Remember when Abraham went to Gerar? He was afraid of the Philistines. He was afraid of the king, right? When he repented before God, what eventually happened to Abraham and his relationship with the king? Let's read Genesis again, 20, 14 and 16. Then Abimelech gave Sarah back to Abraham. And at the same time, he gave him sheep, cattle, and slaves. 
He said to Abraham, here is my whole land. Live anywhere you like. He said to Sarah, I, in, I am giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver. as proof to all who are with you that you are innocent. Everyone will know that you have what you have done, that you have done no wrong. Isn't that nice? It's like a happy ending, right? What started out as a big mess, a big problem for Abraham. Even though he made mistakes, he made bad choices. But God, because he is faithful and because Abraham repents, what does God do? God, he causes all that to work together for his good. Look what happened. Abraham got Sarah back. Not only that, the Bible says he got more than Sarah back. He got sheep, cattle, slaves. Not only that, he can live anywhere in the land. On top of that, he got a thousand pieces of silver, 25 pounds of silver. That's more than you can make in a lifetime. He was a wealthy king. He gave him a lot, right? Isn't that kind of a happy ending? God caused all that to work together for good for Abraham. Not only that, how about on the side of Abimelech, right? Did God also show mercy to him? Let's read Genesis chapter 27 and 17. But now give the woman back to her husband. Remember, this is God's dream. I mean, this is Abimelech's dream. God visits him. He is a prophet and he will pray for you so that you will not die. But if you do not give her back, I warn you that you are going to die, you and all your people. Verse 17, because of what happened to Sarah, Abraham's wife, the Lord had made it impossible for any woman in Abimelech's palace to have children. So Abraham prayed for Abimelech and God healed him. He also healed his wife and his slave women so that they could have children. And so because of uh, Abimelech taking as his wife, Sarah, one who's already married and one for whom God has plans for, Abimelech found himself in a big, big mess. In fact, the Bible says because of what uh, Abimelech did, God had basically cursed all of his women and they could not have children. And you might be asking yourself, well, what was the sin of these women, right? They've done nothing wrong. Why would God do this to Abimelech when he was innocent of his sin? Have you thought about that? I was thinking about that, and it mentions here that the only way for them to be healed for something that they really did not do, right? The only thing for them to be healed is to go to who? Abraham. Why? Because he is the prophet of God. And so what did Abraham do? He prayed for them. And after he prayed for them, what happened? They were all healed. Wait a minute, brother. Why were they punished by God in the first place? What did they do wrong? You know why? Let's read here. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 3. Something I want you to remember. God's promise to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God wanted to bless Abimelech and his kingdom. The only way for that to happen is for them to have fellowship with who? Abraham. 
And so what better way to open the eyes of the people of Abimelech than for them to find or to encounter an unsolvable problem only to be healed by God who is worshipped by Abraham. And so when they see this miracle, now they're able to introduce the God of Abraham. is a powerful God. And so he was able to win not only Abimelech, but also those who belong to his kingdom. This is why all of this had a happy ending, right? Because Abraham repented and God caused everything to work together for good. Brethren, we're almost done. But I want you to know, all of this, all of the problem that started all this, who was the mastermind of that? Who was that? The devil. The devil was the mastermind. Who was his target? Abraham and Sarah, right? <laughs> Brethren, we're, but we're a very small remnant right now, right? A very small remnant. Guess who the number one target of the devil is? Who would it be? Us. This is why we have to learn from what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They were just two, but they were the target of the enemy. We are a very small remnant, but we are the target of the enemy. And so what do we need to be aware of? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, keep your mind clear. Be alert. Be alert with what's happening. I don't know if you're, you are beginning to realize this, but in our work, have you noticed the different kinds of persecution? The different kinds of intrigue and gossip and exchange of false information is taking place right now. Have you noticed that? Who do you think is behind that? The devil. This is what the Bible says, be alert. Keep your mind clear. Why? Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour in the same way that the devil tried to destroy Abraham and Sarah. He's going to try and destroy us. So we have to be alert. We have to keep our mind clear. How does the devil destroy? You know what he uses? Let's read the book of John 8, 44. You come from your father, the devil, and you desire to do what your father wants you to do. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has never been truthful. He doesn't know what the truth is. Whenever he tells a lie, he's doing what comes naturally to him. He's a liar and the father of lies. How do you think the devil will try and destroy us? By spreading what? Lies. Is that what's happening now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who is behind it? The devil. What does he want to do? Divide us. Why? So he can defeat us. This is why we have to be alert. What's the defense against lies? We speak the truth. Protect ourselves with truth. Do not deceive. Do not deceive. Because when we practice deceit, when we practice the telling of lies, then we become like the devil, and he will succeed in destroying us. You must not let him do that. You know, when we practice little lies and half-truths, and we spread half-truths, when we do not fully disclose, when we're hiding something, when we are living a double life, 
and we do not tell the whole truth, you know what happens? Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil any opportunity to work. You know, brethren, whenever we lie and pass on lies to others, whenever we practice immorality and try to hide it, you know what we're doing? We're giving the devil an opportunity to destroy us. Don't give him the opportunity. Because if you give that opportunity, no matter how small, no matter how small, guess what? He'll take that. He's like a thief. You know, if you have a house, everything is locked, all the windows are locked, except for that one tiny, tiny entryway at the, in the bathroom. Guess what he will do? He will use that tiny entryway in the bathroom. Don't give him that. Make sure everything's locked. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a doorway. Do not share lies. Do not practice lies. Do not practice deceit. Because that is how the devil will destroy us. We need to defend ourselves. But it's a good thing. God has a purpose for us. And so what can God do? For, because of his work in us and for us. Romans, we're almost done. 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Did God call us for a purpose? Yeah. What is that? To build righteousness. To promote the righteousness of God. This is God's purpose for us. We need to do that. That's our purpose. Are we going to attract persecution? Yes. But God will use all of that. All of that. To work together for our good. Has that happened? Have we seen that with our own eyes? Yes. Praises be to God. Despite what has happened and ha is happening, we continue to grow. This is not our work. This is God's work. And what must we do so that God will continue to work in us? Yes, we are called. But there's one more thing God is looking for. Did you notice that? We are called for a purpose. But there's one more thing God is looking for. What do you see there in the passage? Who are the ones who will receive God's blessing? And God will cause everything to work together for good for them. For those who love God. You know, brothers and sisters, if there's one thing that we need to make as our topmost priority, is to love God. This coming Sunday, we're going to express our love for God. Every day in our life, never forget to thank God. Never forget to express your love for God. He gave up his son that we might live. Brethren, let us show to God how much he means to us. Let us show to God how much we love him. And when we're able to do this, it will cause all things to work together for our good. And not only that, he will lavish upon us his wonderful promises. The final passage of our study, Psalms 91, 14 and 16. Because you love me. This is God speaking. God says, because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you because you know my name. When you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you when you are in trouble. I will save you and honor you. I will satisfy you with a long life. I will show you 
how I will save you. This is God. And he has a promise for those who truly love him. God is saying to us, because you love me, I will do all these things for you. I will rescue you. I will answer you when you pray. I will save you and honor you even when you are in trouble. I will satisfy you with long life and I will save you. Brethren, we serve and worship not only an almighty God, but an almighty God who loves us so much. Even when we falter, when we fail, God is faithful to his promise. And when we mess up sometimes in our life, even the things, the consequences of what we have failed to do, God will use that, even that, to work together for our own good. Because he loves us. It is but right that we will express our love for him. Let us all stand, brethren. We shall pray to God together. Everlasting Father, yes. thank you so much for the gift of your love. We realize how truly weak we are. When we think about our faith, how can we even say that we have a strong faith? We are truly fortunate because even when our faith drops low, your grace remains so high. Your love remains infinite. You are so good and kind to each one of us. You called us for a purpose. We will do our part. Yes. We will worship you, O God, yes. and shout out your righteousness. Amen. Help us to do this. Yes. When people try and oppose us, yes. rescue your people. Yes. Show us what we need to do. Yes. Father, when we continue to grow, we thank you and praise you. Yes. When our work continues to flourish, we realize it's not us. It is you, Father, yes. and we will forever praise you. Amen. This coming Sunday, some of your people will assemble together to proclaim praises to you. Yes. Accept us, O God. Yes. Strengthen us once more. Yes. Lord Jesus, teach us to learn, not only from our own personal mistakes, but even from the mistakes of God's people in the past. Yes. Help us to learn from them because we know you want us to strive for perfection. But when we stumble and fall, have mercy upon us. Show us your grace and strengthen our faith once again. Father, remember your people. On that appointed day, we will reach out to you. We ask you to remember every one of us. Give us boldness, O God, the power of your Holy Spirit that will strengthen us all the more. Many of our friends do not fully understand the reasons for why we have chosen to be here. Oh God, we have tasted your presence. It's what we long for. Open the eyes of our loved ones that they too will see you, oh God, and your work in these last days. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. You have forgiven all our sins. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.